children are molded in those first six years. You know what? I remember years ago, uh, Jim Dobson saying that. I'm going back 35, 40 years, okay? I remember Jim Dobson saying that, that, you know, a child is molded into what he's going to be the first six years of his life. That's what Adolf Hitler said, and he obviously took control, you know, during that time, an evil man. The truth is, people are easily influenced at a young age. That's why we're told to train up our child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't, he won't depart from it. The Lord knows that. People are very easily influenced at a young age. So we, I mean, some of everybody in here, if you have children, they're most likely over, over uh, six years old. But I know those of you that had children and they, you know, they were raised up for first six years, you were molding their life. You know, one time our son was dating a, a girl from South America, and I forget which country it was, and they were getting pretty serious. And she said, he, she kept bugging him to meet me, okay? She kept bugging him to meet me, and he always wondered why. So f- he went and he asked her, he asked her, he said, why do you want to meet my dad so much, f- so for?" He said, because, she said, because I want to find out what you're going to be like 50 years from now. See, that lady, young lady had, a, had a, a truth in her spirit. Like father, like son, like mother, like daughter, you know, the apples don't fall far from the trees. You've heard all those sayings. That's actually scripture and paraphrased, you know, because... Um, we will become like our, our family. That's why the sins of the forefathers pass on to the third and fourth generation. That's right in the Ten Commandments. Commandment number two comes with a promise. You know, you've got to honor your father and mother, and your days will be long upon the earth. There's a blessing of long life that comes with honoring your father and your mother. So, if you learn how to respect and love them in the early years, you you certainly should be respecting them now. Now, in these 12 tribes of Israel, there's 12, 12 tribes, and two were adopted, as I mentioned earlier. So there's really 13 tribes. Joseph's tribe consists of two, of two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. So when you see Manasseh and Ephraim, you've got to think of Joseph. The truth is that the, the tribe carries the traits of their forefathers, and we're going to see that as I go through the blessings that Jacob pronounced over his children. Let me read you a quote from Henry Morris. Both in terms of generic, I'm oh, sorry, both in terms of genetic theory and of course of history, it is true that each distinctive population group, nation, tribe, and so on, tends to manifest a particular character of its own, and that this character is the product of history and ultimately of its original founders, which would be, you know, your father. 
Here's what Exodus, I mentioned it earlier, mentioned this Exodus 4, after Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to read that from the Ten Commandments, actually. This is a Christian standard version, just so you know. I, I switched up. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, you've heard of him, right? Okay. Four through six. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them in six days. He rested on the sixth day, on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may have long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. See, there's a promise that comes with that. Honor your father and mother, and you will live long. He promised you a longer life by respecting your parents. You know, I was talking to my wife yesterday, and I, or maybe it was this morning, I said, I fear for a lot of the children today because they disrespect and they aren't honoring their father and their mother. And this is a promise. All the promises of God are yea and amen. He doesn't change. He's not a man that lies. He's not a son of a man that he would repent. He spoke and he'll do it. It's just the way it is. If he doesn't do it, it's by grace and mercy, which, thank God, he is. Grace, grace. He's full of grace and full of mercy. So the iniquity of the fathers, you know, are passed on. And if you want to get a little deeper in that, it's demonic. Because behind these bad traits of lust or murder, you know, that's demonic in nature. And therefore, we have to be careful. And the sins of the forefathers pass on to the third generation, third and fourth generation. So listen to this. If the first generation dies, where's the... Where's the demonic forces that were harassing that person in their life? You know what that demonic force will do? It'll go down the family line, and it'll pick the weakest link and attach to it. I've seen it done a hundred times, being involved and having a gift of discerning in spirits in, in some way or another. You know, we've got to be careful. There's a demonic force behind it. So after that person dies, what happens to that demonic entity? He moves on in the family line, the iniquities of the forefathers, the demon behind that iniquity moves the iniquity to that person, and the son becomes like the father, or the daughter becomes like the mother. It's, it's, so you can't hide from demonic forces. They are alive and well. You know, you can read... You can read Isaiah 12, Ezekiel 12, Ezekiel 14, I believe it is. You can turn to any of the Gospels of Jesus Christ, and you can see Jesus casting demons out of people. And they were bent over and couldn't walk. They were so bent over, and Jesus rebuked the demon, and they stood up straight. So what is that? It likens me to, Jesus said the enemy's like a serpent and a scorpion, okay? 
So to me, when you see a person bound up like this, maybe not in all cases, I've, I've, you know, if you could picture it spiritually, you could figure a boa constrictor wrapped around that person like this, okay, and, and just restricting their movement. And therefore, they're bound up. So what did Jesus do with that, that daughter of Abraham in the temple? He rebuked the spirit, and she straightened up. I had a dream like that 40-some years ago where, where I had a dream where a, this uh, big black snake was wrapped all around me. And I woke up. I hate snakes. And even while, even while I saw that vision, it was like, a, like you were watching a football game. You know how they zoom in on the play, on the catch? Well, that, the, that dream had zoomed in on the scales of this black snake. And I'm going, wow, is that beautiful? Um, and then I woke up. I said, Lord, I hate snakes. What is this about? And he said, you want me to use you but you're all bound up by sin. And if you keep on doing it, you're gonna, that demonic serpent's going to swallow you up. He says, oh, you're all bound up in sin. I didn't know what it was, so it took me several days to say, Lord, what sin is it? What is it that, that I, don't, I don't understand it? I'm wrapped up in this demon and you kiss this serpent and you, I don't know what for. I got to admit, he told me a few days later or a week later, he said, it's this, your tongue. I can't use you because your mouth flaps. So I had to pray. And that's why I stumble around up here. I had to get rid of that thing. I used to be really quick and fast and regret what I said. So I asked God to take it away. And he did. It was some insights from my pastor at that time. So don't say that it can't be demonic. You can, you got to take the whole scriptures. If you if you take Jesus preaching to about or casting demons out in the New Testament, you're going to empty out probably at least one third of the New Testament gospels and letters. Got to be careful. So. You see what I mean? The sins of the forefathers pass on to the third and the fourth generation. And if you're a deliverance minister and you, or you want delivered from it, you've got to pray, Father, release me. I, I repent of the sins of my forefathers. And I'm asking you to, to deliver me from, from the, that sin. So, You've you got to take the whole gospel. And if you went onto our website, or those of you online, you can go down to what we're about. And the first thing we'll say is, like, we're a full gospel. You know, we believe the entire counsel of God. We don't skip over where there's tongues. We don't skip over the demons. We don't skip over hell. We, we take the whole gospel and preach the whole gospel. Genesis 49 is a prophetic blueprint of each of these tribes. Okay? It describes the ailment of each of those tribes. It, even though they're original sons of Israel, they had some tough, and they were just, some of them were just not too good, as you know from reading through Genesis with me. 
But let's read Genesis chapter 49, verses 1 and 2. This is the new King James Version that I'm reading out on my notes. And Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. So here he's called Jacob and Israel. And this one in these two verses. We know that God changed Jacob's name when he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And, uh, and he wouldn't let him go until he blessed him. And that angel, being a Christophany, a pre-appearance of, uh, of Christ in the Old Testament, you know, blessed him, and he renamed him to Israel. Here's the scene. The sons are all gathered together. There's 12 sons, including uh, Joseph's two sons. So really, there's 14 people here. The tribes are Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Zebulon, Issachar, Dan, Gad, Asher, Natali, Joseph, and his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. The first, this is the first mentioning of the last days in the Bible also. Literally, he means the days to come. Notice the order here of the sons that were born to uh, Jacob. The first six sons, six sons came from, from Leah. That's Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Then we have the next two sons. They're the sons of Bilhah, the concubine. If you remember right, those, those sons are Dan and Natali. The next two are the two sons of Zilpha, which are Gad and Asher. And then the last two sons of Rachel, you know to be Joseph and Benjamin. Well, here's Reuben, um, Reuben's prophetic future in chapter 49, verse 3 and 4, New King James. Reuben, he's addressing Reuben at this point. You are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water, you shall not excel. Bitter, but yet sweet. Do you see that? You shall not excel because you went up into your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Reuben, the firstborn who was going to inherit the birthright, he went into or had sex with his stepmother. He defiled his father's bed. So he starts positive. Jacob starts positive for Reuben, and then he, then he comes out negative. You're my firstborn, the beginning of my strength, because when you were Firstborn was born, you most likely were pretty young. You're most likely pretty strong. So you're the excellence of his might and his strength. Even his dignity and excellency of power. He's talking about Abraham. You know, you were pure, but now you're unholy. He has four good points. The firstborn, the, the beginning of Jacob's strength, the excellent uh, excellency of of uh, prominence, I guess you could say, and excellent in power. 
There's two bad points are, Reuben, you're unstable as water. And you know what the scriptures say in James 1.8, don't you? He says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He's double-minded. He had his own wives. So he goes into his father's wife and has sex with her. He's unstable. And to every believer out there, if you're unstable, as scriptures were clearly here, very clear, James 1.8, if you don't believe me, look it up. The double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He's tossed around like winds of waves on the water. He don't know which way to go. He don't know what to expect out of him. There's probably people in your lives that, that you would be afraid to go confront them about something because you don't know if he's going to punch you in the mouth or kill you or, or get down and repent because he's unstable. That was Reuben. He's an unstable character. A double mind, You want to be like a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. This is one of the reasons why God loved David so much. Because David wrote down in Psalm 86, 11, he said this, Give me a new heart, O God. Give me an undivided heart, most versions read. In other words, I don't want to be tossed around left and right, one foot in the world, one foot out of the world. He says, you know, give me an undivided heart. And that word heart there in Hebrew is bara, B-A-R-A, and it means from nothing. God created the world from nothing. David's saying, cut out this blasted, sinful heart of flesh and replace it with a new heart that's undivided. So Reuben, he's unstable as water and he defiled his father's bed. And in that, he's unable to control his passions and therefore... He sleeps with Bilhah. Jacob heard about it, but never said nothing about it until now. It's not recorded anyhow. Now it's 40 years later, and he finally speaks out about Reuben going into Bilhah. He's just harboring his feelings and emotions. Not a good thing to do, I would say, for him all those years. And because... Of this, he will not excel. That's a consequence to the entire family of Reuben. The entire family of Reuben. And it disqualifies him from being the firstborn son to get the birthright given to the firstborn son by the father. He loses his birthright just like like Esau did. He lost his birthright by selling, you know, his by selling his birthright for a bowl of stew. If you look back in history through the Bible, you'll see that the tribe of Reuben never never significantly influenced the nation at all. None of the prophets, none of the judges, none of the kings come out of the tribe of Reuben. So when God speaks, it's true. He's going to do it. He 
has a very severe consequence. Even their tribe, the tribe of Reuben, refused to help the armies of Israel led by Barak and Deborah. They refused to help them against Sisera and his 900 chariots. They never amounted to nothing. Reuben is a picture of persons whose privileges were spoiled by their passions. The application for us in this bittersweet um, blessing, twofold blessing, a bitter and sweet, the lesson for us is to guard our negative passions. Because Luke 12 tells us this, if we're given much, we are required much. Reuben was given much, the firstborn son of, of a patriarch, Jacob, and he lost it. Prophecy about Simeon and Levi next, Genesis 49, 5-7. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Simeon and Levi's tribe. First of all, the, the priests of Israel, what tribe were they from? Remember? Levi. That's right. And where was their portion of land? Wasn't any, was there? They were divided up. The tribe of Levi was divided up and placed different priests in each tribe of Israel. They were scattered. Just like the prophecy says. He starts positive and is negative. There's one good point about Simeon and Levi is they find strength in uniting together as brothers, and then because of it, they, because of it, their strength, they went down in the wrong direction. Their, their unity, they, they, they took their unity and became cruel, and they murdered a man. Not only, you know what? They didn't just murder a man. They were murdered. Not only did they murder Shechem, but they murdered all the men in that Shechem's land. Shechem happened to be the prince of the land. They murdered them after having them be circumcised. And then on the third day, in order to, to um, and had them to be circumcised in order to intermarry with, with Jacob's tribe or, or trade with one another. So they agreed to it. Obviously, the women were beautiful, and they wanted to get circumcised to be able to marry within Jacob's ranks. But on the third day, 
when Shechem and all the young men were circumcised, they went into the village with their, with their weapons and they killed all the men because they're cruel. In their unity, they're cruel, terrible. So what did God have to do? He had to divide up Simeon's tribes from the, the, the uh, not Simeon's tribe, Levi's tribes from Simeon's tribe. So they wouldn't be able to be forceful like that. That's one of the reasons. One good point is find strength in their unity, but it was cruel. And it becomes the basis for this prophecy. Next, the five bad points about Simeon and Levi. Number one, they're instruments of cruelty. I explained that about murdering Shechem and the whole, the whole village of Shechem. They're instruments of cruelty. It says, Jacob says, let not my soul enter their counsels. In other words, they had no wisdom. They, had, they probably had knowledge, but no wisdom. What good is knowledge without wisdom? They were not so hot. They were instruments of cruelty. They, they uh, let not their soul enter into the council. They had no wisdom. And number three, they had no respect. Let not my honor be divided to their assemblies. Jacob is saying, you, you've dishonored me. And he dishonors every family that has mass murderers in it or a murderer. Cursed be their anger is number four. Their anger carried consequences, and it disqualified both of them from their birthright. See, because since, since Reuben lost his birthright, it would have went to the next-born son, Simeon. But because he was, he was a murderer, a mass murderer, it went to Levi. But Levi and Simeon were paired up, so Levi lost his birthright because he was a mass murderer also. And, it's, and then he says, Jacob goes on, number five, and their wrath, it is cruel. How do you think God had penned by Paul, Ephesians 4.26, which says, be angry, but do not sin. They were angry because, you remember, Shechem raped their sister Dinah. They were angry. They were so angry, it caused them to murder a whole tribe of people. That's why God says, be angry and do not sin. I just told a couple that I counseled not too long, a couple months ago, I told them that exact thing. They haven't got married yet, but they went through the course with me. But I told them, I says, I'm going to give you one pointer. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't go to bed mad at one another. And you know what? The couch don't count. You have a double bed, you stay in the bed. You don't go sleeping on a couch. Now, if your wife or your spouse has a, a, a flu, they might want to sleep on a couch, so they don't give you it, but that's a whole different story. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You don't kick one out of the bedroom. Even, and then you go on to Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. They're talking about using foul words like B words and F words. Don't, don't, 
be bitter and anger speaking in, in evil speaking. You don't do that. You might not be getting along with your spouse at that point, but don't do that. The Bible warns you. Here's an attention-grabbing fact. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. As I mentioned, this tribe was scattered for their evil that they had done because they, they, they got one thing right, unity, but they went in the wrong direction with it. Simeon's tribe was also scattered after the time of King Asa's reign. Just so you know that. Simeon got exactly what Levi got, scattered, but after a King Asa reigned in Israel. And he was a good king, as you remember. In Numbers chapter 26, verse 14, says this. The tribe, the tribe, let me, the tribe of of uh, of Levi, let's see, which one is it? Tribe of Levi was the weakest tribe in Israel. Numbers twenty six fourteen tells us. Its, its, number, its number was 37,100. Now listen to this. Gad's tribe was 40,500. 40, Judah's tribe was 76,500. Issachar's tribe was 64,300. Zebulon, 69,500. Manasseh, 52,700. Ephraim, 32,500. They were the smallest tribe in Israel because of it. They were scattered and they were weakened a great deal. Simeon's would be, now let's, let's skip that. Prophecy concerning the tribe of Judah. Okay, remember now, these three tribes lost their birthright. These are the firstborn sons of, of Jacob. It was Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. Here's the prophecy to the tribe of Judah from Jacob. Verses 8 through 12 in Genesis 49. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. His bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from before his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, binding his donkey to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes 
in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. This is the longest prophecy, or even blessing, that Jacob gives. Okay? The longest prophecy. Three bad points. He remembers 